0: Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about Douglas Wilson's brand new satirical novel, Ride Sally Ride, available today at canonpress.com. It's two decades in the future, and a Christian college student named Ace Hartwick has destroyed his neighbor's so-called wife, actually a sex bot named Sally, in a trash compactor. Soon, Ace will be on trial for murder. Pastor Douglas Wilson continues his cheerful assault on stupidity with this provocative, new satirical novel. Wilson pulls no punches when it comes to hypocrisy, love, sex, and providence in contemporary culture. His darkly amused insights will either make you furious or make you laugh. Or make you laugh furiously. But they'll never leave you bored. Get Ride Sally Ride today at ridesallybook.com.
1: Welcome to the podcast. This is episode one hundred and sixty. Podcast episode one hundred and sixty, and I'm Doug Wilson. So I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, refugee columns. Uh, this is I, I see signs and indications of this everywhere. I see. Um, I, I believe that as the destabilization and the unrest in our country continues to grow. I believe that more and more people are deciding to relocate. They are deciding the time has come to move where I think we'll be safer, move where we're going to have um, more like-minded people around us, we need to get out of here. For example, if you rented a U-Haul to go from Boise, a U-Haul truck, to go from Boise to Portland. It will cost you about 90 bucks. If you want to rent a U Haul in Portland to go to Boise, it will cost you 10 times that amount 900 bucks. So, to go from Portland to Boise is going to cost you 900 bucks. To go from Boise to Portland is going to cost you 90 bucks. Well, why is that? It's the same truck, same road, same wheels, same everything. Yeah. But what U Haul rental rates tell you is the direction of the traffic. In other words, the rental companies want to make money both ways. They want, they want to rent the truck to you, um, and they want to rent it to somebody who's going to drive it back. So you got to have, they don't, they don't want the trucks to drive back empty. So when, you, when you're going from Portland to Boise, nine times out of 10, the truck is going to have to drive back empty. If you're going from Boise to Portland, the truck will never have to drive back empty. You can do the same thing by comparing U-Haul rates in Los Angeles to Texas. and you know, let's say going from California to Texas. It's the same sort of thing. You compare the rates and you can see which way the river's flowing. You can see what's actually happening. Here in Moscow, we have seen an unprecedented number of people uh, relocating, moving here. And it's different sorts of things. Sometimes they're running from their governor, you know, running from the oppressive blue state type of thing. Sometimes uh, they are coming here. They've wanted to come for years, but their job wouldn't, they they didn't have a job and their employer wouldn't let them telecommute. But then COVID hit and all of a sudden everybody's working from home and everybody's proving that they can work from home and it's all working out. And then a number of companies are shifting to telecommuting because there's no other. So if you look at the cities that are emptying out, are going to be cities like Seattle, Portland, Chicago, Baltimore, New York, and Minneapolis is another one. So when if someone said, "Yeah, well, New York is just this," uh, New York Wall Street's not going to empty out, right? There'll still be some offices on Wall Street. But the skyscrapers are mostly empty, and the people are now working from upstate or working from somewhere around the country. And the whole COVID panic made everybody experiment with that, uh, made everybody prove that it's, it's something that can be done. So the logic of the digital revolution was already a decentralizing logic. And for years, we've had people relocating to Moscow, keeping their job where it was they were from, and telecommuting there. Well, that is now possible on a massive scale. So, what are we going to do? Um, if the election is going to be as full of drama and smoke and crisis as I suspect it is going to be, then the relocating that, is, that has been done up to this point in the run-up to the election is going to be dwarfed by what people do in the aftermath of the election, because um, the election, when the election happens, everybody's going to have a clear sign of what's going to be happening nationally and what's going to be happening locally at their state level. If if they say, okay, this year 2020 has been the year of disruption, and much of the disruption has been, quite honestly, an answer to prayer. Quite honestly, the the disruption we've been praying for for years, we've been praying for reformation and revival. But now, when it comes, did we did we honestly think that reformation and revival could come without convulsion, without any disruption? No. So I'm recording this at Canon Press, and Canon Press is dealing with an unprecedented volume of sales supplying homeschoolers. Homeschooling has exploded. So all all across the country, homeschooling has exploded. Higher education colleges were already in crisis, and then they responded to this panic by shutting you know shutting down. And the the colleges that are that have students attending in person are barely distinguishable from prison. So you you go your, to your little room, your cell room, and then you go to class, and you, it's like a being a prisoner at a penitentiary on work release, and you take your meals in your room, and you, so basically, a lot of the things that were destroying are destroying our nation, higher education, colleges, the colleges and universities, the, um, the blue state governors and mayors that had a chokehold on things like media and business and corporate America. Many of them have received a death blow or something that's greatly weakened them. And this the refugees who are heading to greener pastures, going to somewhere where they can breathe a little more freely, these refugees are among the best and brightest. So there's going to be a brain drain out of California, a brain drain out of New York, a brain drain out of Seattle, and and then certain heartland places are going to be the beneficiaries of that. So this kind of disruption is never pleasant to go through, but remember, God's on His throne, and He knows what He's doing, and I think what He's doing is answering our prayers.
0: Will be
1: so, podcast episode 160, we are continuing, and we're, this is our hamartiology section. The next word in our word study for words describing sin is bedeluktos, B-D-E-L-U-K-O. T-A-S, bedeluktos, and it is the verb that means abominable. Last time we talked about abomination. This is the same word group, and we're going to have another one uh, next time also. There's only one instance of this word being used in Scripture, and that's in Titus 1.16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable. There it is, being abominable and disobedient, And unto every good work reprobate. So again, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. To be abominable is to be detestable. The sin that is described is not simply the sin of having crossed a line or having violated a technicality. Uh, The sin is putrid, in other words. Look at it the way you would look at a zombie finger. It's loathsome. It's disgusting. So, in this case, the abominable nature of the sin is the hypocritical nature of it. Remember last time, uh, the, the great harlot had a gold cup full of abominations. So, the cup is gold. The outside looks great. The inside is full of abominations. And that's a great picture of hypocrisy gold cup with abominations inside. These abominable ones in Titus profess to know God, and in their deeds, they deny Him. So, the way they live denies God, and in their profession, they say that they know God. Their mouths say one thing, and their lives say another. So, Paul says that they are reprobate or rejected when it comes to every or any good work. They are disobedient, but the disobedience puts them in a detestable and detested category. So. It's possible to be abominable without being hypocritical, but hypocrisy is what really sets the abomination apart.
0: God.
1: God the book I want to review this time in, uh, for the podcast, uh, episode 160, is a, a new release. Greg Bonson has been with the Lord a number of years now, but American Vision has just released a new book by him called Against All Opposition, Against All Opposition. What they did was they found some uh, uh, talks that Bonson gave uh, at a worldview conference or something like that, and it was an overview introduction to presuppositional apologetics. And what they did is they took those talks and um, transferred them to paper, edited them for publication, and the fact that these were talks comes through. But the, they did a good job editing, and the, you don't normally think of Greg Bonson as a breezy writer. But this is a, a very accessible, intro-level, uh, somewhat casual and breezy beginning to presuppositional apologetics. And if you've wanted to begin somewhere, Bonson has another book called Always Ready, which is quite good also, but that's more of a book book. This is um, not quite like reading a transcript. It's, it's polished and edited, but it's, if, if you don't have any experience with philosophy or comparative religion or how to answer your atheist cousin at Thanksgiving dinners, this would be the, the book to start with, Against All Opposition. Against All Opposition. He walks through the, the way thinking works, the way epistemology works, how do we know what we know, where do we begin? and since we're finite creatures we have to begin with a an assumption there's no way that a finite creature can begin with the view from everywhere every finite creature begins with the view from somewhere it begins with the view from that particular spot where he is well if that's the case then how is it possible for us to know anything if that's the case, how is it possible for us to come to any firm conclusion, whatever? Well, Bonson does a, a great job with this. It was um, a quick read through for me. It was enjoyable, but even though it was uh, accessible entry level stuff, sort of like your baseline course in presuppositional apologetics, I still uh, learned some things and was very grateful for the opportunity. Against All Opposition by Greg Bonson.